So there's a story that I was told, mission conference, minister, pastor conference, hundreds of pastors from all over the world. The American pastor is telling this story, so it'd be like, it'd be like me. And I'm standing there next to other people, and it's a big consortium of folks. We're called to pray. Pray for the needs that we're carrying, right? Bear one another's burden and fulfill the law of Christ. So that's the moment. That's what's being set up there. And so you're supposed to pair with someone next to you, front, back, nearby, either side, and pray together one for the other. We've, we've probably all done that. So the American pastor, that would be me. He, he's, he's with a pastor from Africa, an African minister, pastor. Not an American that's over there, an African that's ministering to his own people. And so standing there together, the American pastor tells the story that he shared his weight, and he shared his burden, and he shared his concern. And the struggle was that money was down a little bit at the church. There was a building program, and they had several million dollars as they expanded the building, and the weight of that and the financial stresses and those kinds of things. And some of the ministries, and right now the youth program was struggling a little bit, and we just had some transition of families, and if you could just, that's a heavy burden. Can you just help me carry that burden? And so the African pastor prayed for the American pastor. When that prayer was over and it was still happening all over the room, he tells the story that the African pastor said, well, if you could pray for me, What's going on in my life is I'm actually an evangelist and I go from village to village. I don't usually have a place to sleep. Often I have to sleep up in a tree for safety, but occasionally an anaconda or something like that would be there. You know, I woke up a few weeks ago and one had begun to wrap around me. So if, if you could just pray for my safety in those spaces. At which point the American pastor got a realization his problems weren't very much problems. And we need a recalibration of that every once in a while. One of the things that has struck me for years is the equity of what Paul went through and Peter, and James, John. Paul was beheaded, Peter crucified. John was boiled in oil, for goodness sakes. He survived it, and he was dumped out and then banished to an island. And I and you and we seek to have the power of Paul and Peter and John and James and Faithful and Apollos. We look to those men and women. We desire to have that. I get it. I, I get it. I'm with you. But then I think about the equity of it all. And how soft, frankly, we are. And how much we actually can't handle. And I look at what those men and women endured. And I'm not a big proponent of fairness in the scripture. I, it's not really a doctrine that I subscribe to. But I do look at it and I'm like, wow, what those men and women walked through for your name. I'm like, Lord... 
That's got to happen to us. I, I don't know how it doesn't, how it can't. But the reality in what Josh shared is it is happening for people. And this is not a guilt trip. You can't help that you were born here and you weren't born in North Korea. You don't have anything to do with that. But the awareness and the understanding, this morning the question that struck me, I actually grabbed Josh, pulled him aside, because I said, hey man, let me tell you what's, let me tell you what's pumping in my heart today. <laughs> I don't want to send a mixed message by any means, but let me tell you what's pumping in my heart. The question that I was getting asked early this morning was, do I need to be delivered from deliverance? Do I, as an American Christian, do I actually need to be delivered from this doctrine of deliverance? Like my prayer to be delivered. I just want to be delivered, right? I want to be freed. I don't want to have the hassle. I don't want the struggle. I don't want the inconvenience. I don't want the challenge. We can't even get you to spend time. Time. 30 minutes, an hour, 45 minutes to have people leave this room and serve somewhere else in this building during preaching time, we have had to call a sacrifice. We don't call it service. We call it a sacrifice. We need help with that. It's not. It's a privilege to step into someone else's space and serve them. Inconvenience? Come on. Come on. Looking to Jesus, author, finisher. Do we need, and I'm bringing this up because I think we do need a deliverance from the, from the doctrine of deliverance. So I said, Josh, man, I don't think those people are praying to get out of it. He said, no, that's not what I'm feeling because it's not true. They're not. I began to think about the pathway of our reading these last several weeks. Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, on and on. We read through Hebrews. That's a book written to the Hebrews. They're the audience. And the Hebrews were scattered abroad. And I love the book. I've often said, if I could take a book with me, if I'm on the desert island, you know, and I get one book, that's the book. Because it just says Jesus is greater, and he's greater than that, and he's greater than that, and that's a struggle, but he's greater, and that's a struggle, but he's greater, and you thought that was amazing, but he's greater, just better, better. Is it getting me out of it? No. Just sending me the message, the reminder, he's greater. It struck me that the book of Hebrews, written to people who needed that book because their faith was being tried really tried, not inconvenienced, but tried. They needed that book. They got the book, and the book was, hang in there, he's greater. Do you know what you need, where you are when you need that kind of message? You're struggling. You're John, feces up to your waist in a, in a hole in the ground, in a prison, saying, are you the one, or do we need another? Because I'm not sure this is what I signed up for. When you're in that space, you need the book of Hebrews. Because it says, hang in there. Jesus is the way. It's a message of not deliverance, 
It's a message of hope. It's a message not of, I'm out of this now, get me out of the circumstances. It's not that. It's hope. We knew that. We knew that was the book of Hebrews. And then we read James, and Arnick did such an amazing job. If you didn't listen to last week, you need to listen to the message that Arnick preached. It was powerful, wonderful, super proud of him, grateful he's here. Great message. The second verse of the first chapter says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Trials. Count it all joy. That's how he kicked it off. Isn't that amazing? The book of James, Pastor James, kicks it off. Pastor the church in Jerusalem, because I'm going to tell you in a minute, Peter pastored the church in Rome. James pastored the church in Jerusalem, and he tells the Jews that are spread all about in all cultures, under trial and under duress. He says, here's the thing I need to tell you. Count it all joy when you suffer and feel and engage trial and temptation. Anybody want to quote it with me? Knowing this, not the delivering of your life, but the trying of your faith. Not the deliverance. He didn't say, know this, you're going to be delivered. He said, know this, that when your faith is tried, trying of your faith works patience. You know how you get patience? Ready? This is deep. You know how you get patience? The answer doesn't come. That's how you get patience. What you want to have happened isn't happening. That's the only way you get patience. You don't get patience because things come your way. You get patience because you're waiting it out. That's the only way it works. Count it all joy when you fall into trial and temptation, knowing this, the trying of your faith works patience. And then let patience have her perfect work, which is more patience. So that you may be, and I may be, what? What is it? Complete and perfect and entire. Hear those words. Complete, perfect, entire, lacking nothing. Do you know how the lacking nothing part comes from? Not deliverance. The lacking nothing part comes from patience, from stewardship of the hope that he has given us. Years ago, I will never forget this, Randy. I was talking to your brother. I know exactly where I was on the planet. I was sitting in my car just about to pull into Joe Ford's lot down there. I was talking to your brother, and he was praying for his wife. He said, Andy, why isn't this miracle happening? And I'd never said this to anyone ever before. I said, Rick, when people get miracles, they rarely grow. Rarely grow. We pray for miracles. We pray for deliverance. We pray for right now and I want out. But we rarely grow when we're given a miracle. Now, we can be grateful. I didn't say we weren't grateful for the miracle. I said we don't grow. Let me give you an example. I have a $50,000 debt. Bad choices, bad budgeting. I'm lousy with money. I need 50 grand. My friend Joe hears that I need 50 grand. He says, hey, man, I can spot you 50 grand. I'll just give you 50 grand. I've been praying about that, Joe. Thank you. And he gives me 50,000. 
so I pay the debt. No sweat to him. I pay the debt. How'd my budgeting improve? I'm not a bit, I'm not a bit better. I can be grateful. I can be grateful, but nothing about me changes. Trying of your faith works patience. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be complete and entire, lacking nothing. Nothing. That's the perfection. That's the perfection in the stewardship of the hope and in the stewardship of the waiting. God, do I need to be delivered from a deliverance mentality? From a deliverance theology? Because James presented that, Hebrews, James, and now we're into 1 Peter this week. You're going to be reading 1 Peter chapter 1, 2, and 3. Peter, the pastor of the church in Rome, guess what he's doing? The same thing that the author of Hebrews and James did. He said, hey, hang in there. I know it's tough. I know it's difficult. But Jesus is the way you can cast your care on him because he cares for you. That's what he's saying in that space. And I began to think, I'm not an encyclopedia of the Bible, but I know a few scriptures, and I'm thinking through, and I'm like, you know what struck me? Is that Hebrews, James, and Peter weren't telling, writing books to tell people how to get out of it. Here's the trap door. Here's the back exit. Here's how you're lifted out and above all those things physically. No, no, no. They said, you're going to stay in those things, but remember this. He's the hope. He's the way. In fact, Peter, they go off on a couple of guys that said the resurrection already happened. They were like sending those dudes to Satan, man. It was like serious. They're like, those two guys... Don't even listen to them. Get them out of here. Out of here, why? Because they say that the resurrection already happened. You know the problem that people would have if the resurrection already happened? That was their hope. That was their hope. If it already happened, that's a, that's a, they called it a devilish doctrine. Taking away someone's hope. So when we're praying for people, it's hard to do. It's counterintuitive. I'm as human as anyone else. I get it. But when you read the scripture, that's what the scripture is for. It prompts us. It stirs us. These ancient writings that grip us and show us for timely moments. Timely moments. Because of my work in addiction, I came across a documentary. And according to the documentary in the late 90s, there was this whole shift in medicine where pain management became the issue. Pain management. You go to the doctor, and the first thing, like, what's the pain? We're going to take care of that. They'd have little pictures with a happy face and a little red sad face, and one through ten, and you got to say where you were on that, right? The issue was pain management, according to the documentary that I saw, and, and conversation and you know, in the business, that's what we understand. Late 90s, that began to shift. Painkillers, opioids. The only thing that caused opioid addiction? Well, surely not, because it's not always that easy. However, contributing? I, I might be. Might be. And our obsession with not feeling pain. Our obsession with not having discomfort. 
And somehow, correct me if I'm wrong, somehow we transfer our walk with God into different columns based on how our day is going. mistake it's a mistake I said it last week when I was closing for Arnick I hope that we can all grow to a place where we come to the fact that circumstances do not matter at all we don't judge our rightness or wrongness in the kingdom of God the body of Christ mission and service based on I had a good day a bad day I'm hurting I'm not hurting the answer to the prayer not answer to the prayer none of those things are my feet in Jesus? Blessed anchor. Is that what's going on? Anchored in Him. Walking through those things. So I can be helped, others can be helped, and we're put in a particular spot. I thought of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Can you guys throw that up there for me? 2 Timothy 2, verse 3. It's in the King James Version. It says, Endure hardness. Now, we did Timothy a few weeks ago. Endure hardness as a good soldier. You know what it means to endure? It means you don't really want to do it. This isn't like, yay, hardness. You endure hardness. Remember what Jesus did? He endured. What did he endure? He endured the cross. What's it say? Despising the shame. For the joy set before him, right? We endure for the things set before us. When you put yourself in positions that you know part of the job is to give your life, welcome. I never did understand when people that I served with in the military had such pushback when it came to sacrifice. Like, what don't you understand about the job? Like, you signed up to sacrifice your life up to and including your last breath. That's what you signed up for. I'm not trying to be tough or bit rambo or no, no, just, I, did, I, just, I just didn't get it. Like, that's the job. Like, I'm, a, I'm cool with being a fireman. It's just the fire part. I just don't want the fire part. Like, like, that's the job, man. We serve him to bring about his kingdom. This isn't just about you being saved. If it was, you could just be saved and disappear. This is about bringing about his kingdom and the privilege. The privilege. The privilege of being in the body of Christ and the kingdom of God and bringing about the kingdom. Joe, you and I are taking a drive this week. You, my friend, and I am super proud of you, pal. You are going to bring about the kingdom in a place that no one else here can. That is the, that is the word of the Lord. You are going to bring about the kingdom of God and the light of God that none of the rest of us will be able to do. And we will pray for you. 
But it's not a prayer of deliverance. It's a prayer of effectiveness and hope. And he knows that. He told me that the other day. We were at a cookout at Sharon. She was so sweet, wonderful to feed us and big feast. We're out there talking, and he said, you know what? I feel like there's some purpose in this. purpose in, being put in particular places that other people can't go. And it's not just the deliverance part, it's the how you struggle part and how your faith carries you through with hope. That was the King James. What's the NIV say? Do you have that? 2 Timothy, uh, what did I say? Chapter 2, verse 3 in the NIV. One said hardness and this says suffering. Join me in suffering. That's not usually what we put on our tagline on the website. Welcome to Christway Church. Join us in suffering. Endure hardness. Suffering. I want to go to Philippians chapter 1. Is Arnick still in here or no? He had a commitment, so I wasn't sure if he was still here. Philippians chapter 1. Oh, all right. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. I'll read three verses for you. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Pause it. What's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Well, what was that? Well, we got a radio show. No, that wasn't it. We built a bigger building. We have a significant media presence. No. Whatever happened, Paul says, see, he says, it, it has actually served. Do you understand that the audience he's talking to is just like the audience we are? Because he says it's actually served. No, no, no. Did that help you? No, 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 it actually helped. When someone leads with that, like, no, no, it actually, that actually helped. We understand that you wouldn't think it helped. Like, like what happened to me? It, 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 it's actually served to advance the gospel. And you know he's going to say something that in our mind is not going to advance the gospel. Except it does. Verse 13. As a result, become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains Paul says, I am in chains for Christ. And if I got out of those chains, then the whole palace guard and everyone else wouldn't know. And if I prayed for deliverance, <coughs> and deliverance happened. Right, Paul and Silas, gates open, they got out of jail one time, I get it. But there are moments where he says, you know, I'm in this place. For a work. Verse 14. Because of my chains. So see, the palace guard heard the gospel, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become what? No, no, no. The family of God has become confident. Confident in the Lord, and they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without and aren't you glad that's the only word on the screen because that is our issue. 
Proclaim the gospel without fear. Without fear. Without fear. Paul says, I'm in chains. I'm helping people hear the gospel. I'm empowering people to speak the gospel. All because I'm in this space. Now, it's cool when you're writing it, and it's cool when you're preaching about it, but he's in there for another 23 and a half hours. And the things that we endure, and the hardship, and the suffering, because we know we are called into that space. And to not be weak, frankly, and to be strong. This chorus, let's do this chorus. What's I put my faith in Jesus? My hope and firm foundation. You never let me down. I put my Somehow I think we believe this is He'll never let me down, deliver me. He'll never let me down, hold me. My hope and firm forever with me. Never leave me nor forsake me. It's a call when faith becomes yours. When there are challenges, the hireling runs away. The homeowner stays. You own it. It becomes yours. I'm grateful. I don't even know how I got in the military. I'm grateful, though. I had, a, I had an uncle that was at Iwo Jima. He did 30 days as a Marine. Told me stories. Unbelievable. Other than that, I don't even know how I got in the service. But the training of that put me in a particular mindset that if a building is on fire, I run to the building. If someone is hollering, I go to the voice. We're in the lobby and there's some commotion. If that's the exit, I'm going to go that way. I think it was just trained. I don't really know how. I don't know how it happened. Which way are you running? <laughs> when, it, when it comes to trial, difficulty, because it's happening, it's coming. That's why they say endure it. 
but the joy of saving someone, the joy of being a face in their story because you're where they are. How many of us know that the goal here is not to get people to come to church in the building? We all know that. Well, we can't save you out here in Kroger's parking lot, but if you come to church, we can help you. We know that. So let's recognize that we're not having to get them somewhere. We're going to where they are. We're walking into the rooms and the stories of their life, sometimes through challenges on our own part, sometimes through God directing us in chains so we can be with them. If God wants the mechanic saved, your car's going to have to break down. We're going to sing this again. I just want to say this to you. I wonder if instead of what's my purpose, always hunting my purpose, if we began to say, Lord, to what purpose? To what purpose am I in this place right now? To what purpose am I in this challenge? To what purpose is this costing me? To what end, Lord? And I continue to look for you and your hand as you guide us. Do you feel the power of the mobilization of the body of Christ when we step into that space? Not praying for deliverance, but clarity and listening. Because frankly, here's how it goes. You want me to play it out for you? We get so focused on being delivered that we stop listening to what he's telling us in the moment. I so want to get out of this that I don't even enjoy or recognize where I am and why I'm there. So I put my faith 